Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey everyone, it is Wednesday morning and you know what that means. We bring back your favorite guest for our expert series and that is Anna Kelly. How you doing, Anna? I'm great. How are you, Michael? I'm doing very well. I don't know if you've taken time to look at the comments that we get back on your videos, but people really enjoy hearing us speak and you sharing your words of wisdom. So thank you very much for your time every week. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So one of the things I want to talk about today is at least in my YouTube social media list, I'm starting to see a lot of newbies claim a real estate crash is on the horizon. And most are saying 2021. Last week, you and I tried to dispel that, saying it's not mathematically possible. It's not set up for that. We weren't calling a crash never to happen. We were just saying not 2021. And not that big. I and think not, that was the big point. Not a 40 to 50% crash. That big, that fast. Right. right. So what I thought we, we could do, because both of you and I experienced the mania that led up to the last crash. And I think there are things in that experience that if we saw again, would be the sign that, oh, things, could get, things are getting a little dicey and a crash could happen, right? We could see, I mean, California mini market saw 50% peak to trough. My market was more like 65 peak to trough. Um, so I thought we should just do ourselves an honest favor, help the audience out and really highlight what we saw last time that if we see now or in the future, it could be signs of problems ahead. Does that make sense? Sure. Absolutely. All right. So what, what, what do you remember from last time that you could envision as something possible that could lead to the next crash? Any thoughts first? I think there were two kind of big things that stick out in my mind, just off the top of my head. Sure. And one is, um, too easy to get loans. Yeah. Lending was very, very loose. And so they blend to anybody. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, at high interest rates mm -hmm. and appraisals were being inflated yeah. significantly. So those three things coming to a head, giving inflated appraisals because there was so much money pouring in that people could buy, you had this buying frenzy, mm -hmm. you know, suddenly yeah. that was temporarily really driving up prices. Um, appraisals were crazy. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a lot of what led to, you know, people buying houses they couldn't afford at a price they couldn't afford an interest rate they couldn't afford. And ultimately that led to foreclosures, mm -hmm. a mass amount of properties suddenly on the market, more supply than demand. And that, mm -hmm is part of what crashed, you know, the real yeah. estate market. Yeah. So let's, again, I want to give people really good things because all that is dead on accurate and same thing I saw. But when we talk about getting loans too easy, I want to break that down a little bit because there's always been a couple of loan products out there that, that work in corner cases, right? The stated income loan, um, you know, basically you don't have a W-2, right? You're a business owner, right? It's always a product that makes sense for the few, I saw last time where it went from the few to one of the top three or four products offered to investors, yes. right? When you, and, and you know, there were waitresses and waiters. I mean, we saw the big short where strippers, right? It was in the movie. We're just doing stated income loans and getting two, three, four properties. So really watch the loan products, right? Would that be fair? 
Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair, you know, in 2007, just as an example, I mean, mm -hmm. I had a good job, but mm -hmm. we were starting over in a new place where my job wasn't guaranteed and my husband was starting a new business. Yep. And I got a 90% mortgage on my first rental property and they let me put 10% down on a credit card. You know, <laughs> that wouldn't happen today. today. You know, <laughs> so that's just the kind of thing, you know, there was incentive incentives for lenders to continue to lend more and more and more. Um, and right now what we're seeing is kind of the opposite. So mm -hmm. after the recession, you know, the last recession, yeah, then yeah. lending started to really tighten up. Yeah, what we yeah. did see is before this recession, we did start to see some loosening in that lending again. You know, sure. it took 10 or 11 years, but they start, you started to see a few of these mm -hmm, uh, no-dot type of loans, but yep. not in mass to your right. point. Um, but the banks have reacted much more quickly at this recession. They're tightening really quickly right now. Yeah, so yeah. you've got to have really strong credit, really strong income, yeah. you know, proof that you haven't been impacted by COVID in yeah. order to get loans right now. So the money's not as free flowing at this point as it was before the last major real estate crash. Yeah. The other thing that I saw last time that once the momentum started, it started to just build on itself was the variable versus fixed rate spread, right? Fixed rates at the time, let's just call them six and a half, maybe even seven on investment loans. But more and more people were going to the adjustable rate mortgages because you get something in the low fives or the fourths, or then they got the teaser loans, right? 1.99% for two years, and then it goes to eight or whatever it was. And, and no ceilings. And no ceilings, right? And the whole story was, don't worry, you'll refi just like everybody else in two years and take cash out because real estate only goes up. So again, watch the variable mix. Again, today, I mean, everybody, I, I, I haven't, I mean, there are reasons to get adjustable rate loans. Again, we're talking residential, not commercial, but I haven't heard of anybody doing an arm recently. Yeah. And, you know, another thing is a lot of the bridge lenders went out of business yeah. when COVID first happened. So, you know, even bridge debt, I mean, I'm seeing advertisements for it, but you have to be, you know, fairly credit worthy and they're giving extensions like, okay, it's bridge debt, but we'll let you extend it another three years if you need to, or right. we'll help you convert it to a term. Plus one, plus, yeah, yeah. Some of the, some more safeguards in there. Um, but also a lot of lenders have already started making it much tougher for investors. They want more money down. Yeah higher rates, um, you know, much stronger background, investing background before you can get loans. So I see lending generally being tighter now, mm -hmm. um, which is preventing, you know, this mass purchase of, of homes all over the country, yeah. you know, that could lead to yeah. too much supply. Yeah. But again, you could see again in the future where a variable product comes back. Let's just say, for example, uh, 30 year rates for whatever reason, you know, go to three and a half. And then some bank somewhere goes, you know what? We're going to release an adjustable rate mortgage that's 0.5% for five years. I'm just making this up. You could see, and then it go, by the way, then it goes to 5% or five and a quarter or seven or whatever it is. No ceiling. Um, you could see a time where prices keep escalating, where buyers switch from a fix to that five-year adjustable because of the delta. Um, I'm not calling for that, but again, I'm just trying to paint a picture of what new investors could watch and one of them is lending product. Yeah. And if the split is between fixed and variable explodes, because it is the variable reset that caused the momentum to just build and build and build and build and build, and build uh, for years. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So the other thing that I want to talk about is, 
So, that, so again, right. So what have we talked about so far? Pe buyers can watch. We talked about um, loan products, right? Today we're very strict, real loans, real credit, real buyers. Most of the time we've talked about uh, fixed debt versus variable, right? So again, you have to see both of those change drastically to get that blow off top, which would lead to a crash. The other one I was, I was yep. playing, go ahead. Sorry. No, okay. I was the just other... gonna say also, we touched on the appraisal. Oh, the, appra so yeah. appraisals. the appraisals before, you know, pra appraisals were very independent and the bank could choose whoever they wanted. Um, you know, the investor could choose whoever yeah, they wanted to buy or it didn't matter. And yeah, there was yeah. a lot of underhanded, you know, or incentives that, uh, that allowed these appraisals to be way more than what they really should have been. So there's oh, evidence sure. of that. After the last crash, that changed. And there were new appraisal standards that went in. And it makes appraisers very nervous to give any more value for a property than what they really think it is. And the kind of new mantra was, you know, the, the appraisal value is whatever a willing buyer and seller yeah. are able to come up with, as long as it's pretty much the same as every recent comp, okay? Right. Which, you know, it could be, but there's some variability as to whether there is a recent close comp, okay? Yep. But what we're seeing and what I've heard from investors and friends across the country is that most of the time appraisers, they're too nervous to give too much value yep. and they're actually undercutting sales prices. So they're ruining contracts for a thousand, two thousand, five thousand dollars, yes. not giving the value that they've sold for and causing those values to come back down or the sales price to lower. So mm -hmm. that's a really big difference that we saw that allowed prices to really continue to shoot up to where they were unsustainable, yep. that we're not gonna see any longer because of those appraisal standards. And especially in heading into a recession, yeah. appraisers are even more nervous to say, just because a couple sold high in a hot market doesn't mean this is really the value yep. and still, you know, kind of undercutting those values. Yeah, you're so right. The difference, I mean, I, again, I don't know, right through like 2008, I, I as the seller was allowed to pick my appraiser. And, the, and let's just be real. If I ever had an appraiser that underappraised one of my properties, I'd never use them again, right? So yeah. I, mean, I never said that, but the, obviously the appraisers knew that, right? right? And today you can't pick them. You, you can't even know them. Right. I mean, there's, there's whole arm's length and all of that stuff. So you're right. And again, I've had, I, I've never had an appraisal come in light. Uh, I had an appraisal come in light mm, two, two and a half months ago, like mm, 10% light, not like two or three grand. Right. Um, so I just canceled the transaction. I'm like, forget it. I'll keep it. I'll, I'll make it a rental. <laughs> it's fine right. by me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I think could really create the blow off rally, and this is one people are going to have to watch out for is if there is an outside incentive to really goose home ownership. This one concerns me because if because what I saw as a landlord last time, what I saw and I felt was three to five to 8% of my tenants because of the bad lending were incented to become owners and then they ultimately came back. I don't think that's gonna happen again because I don't think lending will go that crazy. But one thing I do see happening if we have a switch in the executive branch, I believe one of the things that Biden's going to throw out his first year is a $15,000 tax credit for first-time homeowners. That is going to take a certain set of folks that are renters, make them owners. I don't know how the tax credit's going to be used, but it's probably going to go towards closing costs and down payments. And basically, it's not going to be a real down payment. And we're going to have people in that maybe don't have the financial backing or don't have the strongest balance sheets. And if we're not careful, 
one, two, you know, it basically what I see happening is I see him doing that. If he wins, I see people living in the homes fine. As long as the economy is improving, but the next recession, the next one, is it three, five, seven years down the line when they lose their job and they're, they don't have a month's savings. Uh, ouch. That, that is my greatest fear for a market crash is we incent three or 4% that shouldn't be into being the economy keeps going. They're fine. Recession. Boom. Yeah. That's what I see. A repeat of what happened last time. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're seeing more and more, you know, more and more money come back into people's pockets, yeah. you know, um, lots of things that we never thought the government would do yeah. um, that, that, you know, incentivize that. And so, you know, to the point of next year, you know, a crash next year, if these things happen, if anything, you're going to see a lot of pent up demand exactly programs and yeah. these low rates. So you have more demand, less supply that could actually lead to house pro housing prices going up for a while. Exactly. Still that demand comes back down. Well, it's, so, it's, it's, it, it below, it, it's like a balloon, right? And I see, I see pent up demand. I see prices going through the roof, double digits. And then in 2024, we have a little blip of a recession and bam, pin pop. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's also, again, like we, I say all the time, it's very regionalized and, and local specific. So, you know, we're seeing more and more come out every day and another article early this week on New York City and mm -hmm. just the major real estate crash in New York City yeah. um, because people just didn't see what was coming, coming. But super high prices, super high taxes, you know, now, you know, tons of control, people fleeing. Mm -hmm. Certain markets, there's so much demand. And, and in Pennsylvania, there's so many coming from New York and New Jersey. The buyer of my home is coming from Long Island, you know, and a house here is, is a lot cheaper than a house there. Yeah. But our housing values here in PA are starting to really tick up pretty high, where over the last 12 years, they've been very consistent. We've had little increases. Hardly any decreases in the last recession, but pretty stable, yeah. you know, just modest increases. And in the last year, last six months, you know, some big numbers. So as long as those people keep coming to try to move here to get away from, you know, some of these other states, our values are going to go up while other values in other areas go down. So. Well, this is, this is why I think a, a crash could happen. It's years away. But all of that you've just talked about, we're seeing the same thing in Silicon Valley, right? Lake Tahoe is a great example. It's about three hours away, maybe, yeah, three hours away. Their prices up 25% year on year. Yeah, and two to 3% cash on cash returns if you try to buy a house. Yeah, forget it. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's yeah. why it's all owner-occupant, right? No, no, in, well, very few investors are buying today because they just get outbid, right? We, we bid for five, six, seven, eight, whatever. We're not going to buy it too. I mean, leave it in the bank at that rate, right? right. So again, the people... A real estate crash is possible, but the balloon has to build more. Right. The other thing that is going to be an indicator for me, and man, I saw this a lot last time. I don't know if it was an East Coast thing, but in the West Coast, oh, we had people flipping contracts. So what was that? Basically, we were people in the Bay Area at the time, right? This is like 2007. You would go to a plot of dirt. You would enter a lottery because there was so much demand. And if you won, right, you got the condo, right? I'm going to have lot 71A. You know, it's, it's a million bucks. What you would do with that contract is that contract would be sold two or three times before that condo is built. It became a thing to go enter lotteries and buy all of them you could because you'd make 50 or 100 grand in 
two months and, wow. and never have to close, right? You put a little bit down for earnest money to lock it up, but then you just sell your contract. Um, not seeing that today, but that's something else to watch is if, if new developments, and this could happen elsewhere. It's not going to happen in the Bay because just like New York, people are fleeing. But watch people flipping contracts on new developments. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I do want to touch on one thing that I think is a little concerning that could cause um, more of a real estate crash than maybe we expect. Sure. Um, and again, a lot of this depends on, you know, who wins the election, mm -hmm. um, not just at the presidential lev level, but at, mm -hmm. at the Senate, you know, Congress yeah. level. Sure. Um, you know, essentially, if we see huge reductions in the tax incentives to own and buy real estate, Ooh, whether that be as a yeah. homeowner or whether that be as an investor, suddenly real estate becomes less attractive to own if you don't get the big bad depreciation that makes you pay no income taxes, you know, which is, which is big in, in the media right now, yeah. you know, with the talking heads. Um, so essentially, you know, if some of the things that Biden proposed early on, like getting rid of the 1031 exchange benefit, mm -hmm. yep. um, getting rid of the, the Trump tax plan for bonus depreciation, mm -hmm. um, so, you know, raising the, the tax rates, the capital gains tax rates, the regular yep. income tax rates. Those things could disincentivizing purchasing for a bit, mm -hmm. which um, somewhat and drive some prices down. Mm -hmm. If you couple that also with regulatory risk and yeah. continued, court continued um, eviction moratoriums, now landlords suddenly have to say, wait a second, not only are my returns that I'm already, you know, having to pay top dollar for going to be limited in terms of the tax benefits that still incentivize me to buy these things, despite some lower cash on cash returns mm. because of the huge paper losses that I get. Yeah. Also, I can't evict people if they don't pay. Yeah. And those two things together make six, seven, eight, nine, 10% cash on cash returns, not that attractive. So I think that if the Democrats win the office and change those tax incentives and extend eviction moratoriums, I think that you will see a softening in rental real estate values mm -hmm. that could be you know, more than 10% in the next year or so. Now, yeah, does that I'm, stay sustainable? I don't know. You know, mm -hmm. is there something that's done to counteract that when things start to, yeah. you know, go down a little bit? Probably so. Um, but I think that that's a real risk that, you know, could cause some quicker softening in prices than what yeah. we would otherwise expect. When you look at the residential landlords, mom and pop, as they're often called, right, where we both started. Um, I got interviewed by the Business Journal the other day, and I told them, you know, landlords are going to pay today because of the CDC issue but you know who the true losers are and he's like who i'm like it's the tenants absolutely mom and pops are going to get through this well two things three things will happen some mom and pops won't make it they live too close to the bone they're going to lose their properties to the banks and then people are going to go well they can get mortgage forbearance i'm sorry if you're a landlord that's only 40 percent of the cost you still have the other 60 percent, and they're going to lose them uh, then you're going to have the mom and pops that eke it out. They dip in the savings. They take 401k loans. They get to the other side. They are going to issue a 60 day notice as soon as it's legally possible. The tenants are going to be removed. They're going to clean up that property and they're going to sell it to an owner occupant. That's what the market screams today. You want to make money today, clean up your properties, sell them to owner occupants. It's an easy win. Uh, right. And then there'll be the third sector, which is good. It's going to continually get smaller. They're going to be guys like me and you, where we're going to keep them. We're going to struggle through. 
but with less supply comes higher rent. Right. And with higher taxes, which is coming higher um, rent, higher expenses and higher rents. And then not only do you have to build in, Hey, you know, right now, um, I saw a study on this not too long ago, the average landlord out of every hundred dollars we receive, we make nine dollars in profit. Exactly. So ninety-one percent of the cost of providing housing goes, is an expense. Yeah. Nine dollars, nine percent goes to us. So now I have to also say, well, what's the risk that any new tenant isn't going to pay because the government could change the rules and not right. honor contracts at any point? We're going to demand a higher premium and a higher profit on that, you know, per dollar Absolutely. for the risk of being a landlord. And so that's going to result in in higher rents as well. And it, it kind of becomes the cycle as rents go up, if housing prices come down, then more people are going to become homeowners and mm -hmm. then rents will have to come down because there won't be as much demand. So it's, it can become a vicious cycle. And this, my friend, is why we have real estate cycles exactly. that go up and down. And, that, you know, it's not always as quickly as the prior cycle, but we don't learn from the history to keep from making the same mistakes that lead to these same, you know, ups and downs over and over again. So, yeah. So if I were to summarize what people should be looking for again, no 40 to 50% crash next year, but the things to watch for are the loan products, right? Liar loans, no doc loans, uh, a, a big switch from fixed to variable products. Uh, watch appraisals. Do they become strict or are they just, you know, your buddy's doing them for you. Uh, watch incentives from the government that incents homeownership that somehow becomes a credit where you can use for a down payment. Uh, watch eviction moratoriums because again, it could hurt mom and pop landlords. Watch for flipping contracts becoming a thing in, in cocktail conversations. Um, I mean, there's lots of things that would, yeah, lots of things that could lead to a bubble right now. The balloons probably not even half full, right? But it, it certainly could blow bigger. And again, for me, a crash only happens with a bigger balloon and the next recession, in my opinion. Thoughts? Yeah. yeah, it's 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 so it's so interesting. You know, the one thing that always surprises me is I think I think I have it figured out. Okay, we're <laughs> heading into a recession, prices are gonna come down, you know, it's gonna take a long time to recover. The government does keep continuing to put band-aids, you know, yes. on all the floors. And so a lot of the things that they've done have stopped the bleeding. And I, they're really trying to stave off this going into a true depression. Yes, you know, which was it, which could have happened for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think that they're going to do everything they can to prevent, you know, that, that bubble economically. Um, and we just have to see how it plays out in, in the housing market. But, I, you know, I, I think we're going to see some softening nationwide for sure. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's immediate. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think it's 40 to 50%. Well, it, it, I'll be more clear. It's not 40 to 50% and it's not immediate, <laughs> in my opinion. Right, right. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, very good, Anna. Thank you very much for your time. Have a wonderful day. Thanks so much. You too, Michael. Bye-bye.